Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is God's word. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sew, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit has the worker from that in which he labours? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labour. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. That which has already been and that what is to be has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. Moreover, I saw under the sun in the place of judgment, wickedness was there. And the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time for every purpose and for every work. I said in my heart, concerning the condition of the sons of men, God tests them that they may see that they themselves are like animals. For what happens to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befalls them as one dies, so dies the other. Surely they all have one breath. Man has no advantage over animals, for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust, and all return to dust. Who knows the spirit of the sons of men which goes upward, and the spirit of an animal which goes down to the earth? So I perceive that nothing is better than a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his heritage. For who can bring him to see? what will happen after him. Amen. We end there at the end of chapter 3. And we know that God blesses us when we read his truth. I want us to pray and ask God for his help to understand his word. Let's pray. Our gracious God, our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you 
that you have given us the scriptures, that you have revealed yourself to us in the pages of this book. And yet we confess that we are slow to understand. We are lacking in belief. And so we pray today for the help of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Holy Spirit, that that you would fill us so that we may understand what the Word is teaching us today. Help us. Help us to see Jesus. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You know, in the church, we often think that John chapter 3, verse 16, is the most famous verse in the Bible. And that might be the case in the church. But the words of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verses 1 to 8 are probably some of the best known biblical words in the Western world. Those of you who are old enough will know that this These words form the lyrics of a famous pop song from 1966. Turn, turn, turn to everything there is a season by the American band The Birds. You could almost say that God has written a pop song. And so there are many people who will sing these words. And they have no idea that they are singing the Bible, singing God's word. And in that lies a great tragedy. Because what we are discovering in our studies through Ecclesiastes is that until you realise and accept that all things are from God, then all things are meaningless. And so the words of a, a pop song divorced from the rest of the book with no reference to God, well, they might be wonderful words, but they lack something of their meaning. And that's the big point for us to take away today, as it has been over the last couple of weeks. Life is all about Jesus. Without Christ, nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense. All is meaningless. I want to tell you this morning that I have been developing something called extending arm syndrome over the last few months. Uh, I didn't actually know that I had this until another minister in Presbytery pointed it out to me. Maybe some of you have a a similar condition. Uh, Have you ever picked up a piece of paper to read it and then unknowingly moved it further away from your face to make sure that you can read the words, to see them clearly? I hope I'm not the only one who's developing this. I have never needed glasses I come from a family where three boys, I'm the middle son, and I've been the only one who didn't need glasses. And so it's kind of always been a matter of pride for me that my eyesight is pretty good. But as you well know, I'm now, I'm on the wrong side of 35. In fact, 35 sounds pretty good right now. I'm on the wrong side of it anyway, and I'm I'm beginning to accept that someday, maybe even someday soon, I might need a pair of glasses. I don't think I'm going to need prescription glasses or or anything like that. Just, you know, the cheap ones you can buy in Tesco's. uh, Those will do me fine. The reason I tell you this is because 
my hope for us over the last few weeks and for today, as we turn to Ecclesiastes, is like that it's like putting on a pair of glasses. It's like putting on a pair of glasses that say Jesus down the side. Because when we look at the world around us, it's a fairly depressing place, isn't it? And the preacher of Ecclesiastes has been pretty keen to make sure we know how depressing it is. Last week I said it. It's like having a bucket of cold water poured over us to wake us up. Maybe it's for you it's been more like five or ten buckets of water. But the preacher wants us to wake up and see the world as it really is. So that he then can give us the Jesus glasses. And when we put them on, our eyes see something different. It's the same world. The same truths about the world are still true. Things like the, the sun repeatedly rising and setting. Things like death, which comes to us all. These things are still true, but with the Jesus glasses on, they mean something. The world loses its vanity. The world loses its meaninglessness when we turn to Christ. When we have Jesus, the world is no longer vanity. It is meaningful. It, it holds out joy. It holds out satisfaction for us. We can eat and drink and enjoy the toils of our labour without having to allow those things to justify our existence or in any way save us for eternal life. Things under the sun cannot do that, but for Christians, they don't need to. We have Jesus. We're not looking to the things of this world to do something that only Jesus can do. And so while life without Christ is depressing and meaningless, with Christ, it is filled with meaning and with hope. The passage we have before us today in Ecclesiastes 3 was a successful pop song. It is sometimes read at, at humanist or, or even non-Christian funerals. But in those contexts, it doesn't provide hope. It's only when we realise that this life is lived in dependence on God and Christ that we can understand the hope in these words. In our previous weeks, we, we thought that what we learn about the world we live in, we, we thought about how it spins on its axis. And we've learned from that. We've learned then also from the preacher's personal experience. We got his autobiography. Today he wants to turn our attention to time. He wants to teach us a lesson about time. He will examine time for us from three directions or, or three vantage points, if you like. First, he, he looks at time from our view. He talks about your time on this earth. And he also looks to the day when Jesus will return to judge the whole earth. The end of time. And the third perspective is what time looks like for God. What is God's view 
of time. Let's start by thinking about your time on earth. There's no doubt that these words are beautiful. Verses 1 to 8 of Ecclesiastes 3 are beautiful. It's no wonder that they were a hit pop song. It's no wonder that many people have them hung on their walls in their homes. 14 pairs of opposites given in these verses that, that sum up all of our lives. They sum up the human experience and that's what they're meant to do. They're meant to communicate to us that everything that happens in your life has its own appointed time. A time to be born and a time to die and a time for everything else in between. The whole of your life and the whole of my life is seen in these words. And we notice from the way that the pairs are built up for us, how beautifully complex life is. There is surely a time for mourning. When we lose a loved one, perhaps. But then there's also a time for dancing. Well, I don't know if dancing's for everybody. I I try to dance with my wife at, at weddings. And that's probably about all. But even somebody who's as lacking in rhythm as I am has found some time in my life for dancing. But the complexity comes in when we realise that these pairs, they don't just speak to us as individuals, but they show us that we are interconnected and dependent people. Dancing on your own might be fun enough, but dancing is meant to be done with others, isn't it? You're meant to dance with other people. And the real kicker comes in when we grasp this, the one that we are dancing with could be the same one that we are one day mourning. There is beauty and sadness in that truth. As we embrace a loved one, we never imagine that there will be a time when we will have to refrain from embracing. And yet, what has COVID taught us? There are times when we will have to refrain. Nobody knows what's around the corner. I wonder if those who are living in Ukraine just now under wartime can ever imagine a time of peace. And yet we pray that they will know such a time. Those of you who keep livestock, you you know this strange juxtaposition that comes from having an animal which you feed and you care for and and you even heal that animal in times of sickness. And then what do you do with it? You send it off to be killed. And so we could go through each of these 14 pairs and examine the beauty of the words, the richness of the sentiment and the imagery. But one commentator says this, when you step back from the whole thing, what have you got? 14 positives and 14 negatives. 14 pairs of opposites which all cancel each other out and in the end, they amount to nothing. And so, as he has said before, the preacher is really saying, albeit in a beautiful way, life is meaningless. You spend all this time gathering in stones and and I'm sure people here, you've spent plenty of hours gathering stones from fields. 
You spend all this time gathering them in, only to realize there's also a time for casting them away. I'm a hoarder. I, I, I can confess that to you today. I like to keep things. We bits and pieces, knots and bolts even. I'm sure they'll come in handy someday. But not everything can be held on to forever. There's also a time to do a dump run and, and get rid of things. So does one just cancel the other out? Does it all amount to nothing in the end? That might be the way that things are left if you don't keep reading. We need to keep reading verses 9 to 11. And it's as if the preacher has taken out the Jesus glasses and he's given them a shine up and he puts them on. Verse 9. What profit has the worker from that in which he labours? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. He makes everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. And so, friends, it doesn't all cancel itself out. Because even though we can't see it in the moment, God is at work. God is bringing about his plans and purposes through both your mourning and your dancing. Through your gaining and your losing, in the planting and in the plucking up, God is at work. He is making all things beautiful in his time. And we're going to come back to that before we finish because that's a a really important point. For now, I want you to notice the little phrase in verse 10. He has put eternity in their hearts. And what this is saying, what what God's word is saying to you today is that you know there is more to life than 14 pairs of opposites that cancel each other out. You know there is more to life than just the things under the sun. You might claim today to be an atheist. You might be an unbeliever. But you know Deep down in your heart, you know there is meaning and satisfaction to be found in life. You know that hope and joy and love, you know those are real things. The reason you know that is because God has placed eternity in your heart. Maybe you found the last couple of weeks looking at Ecclesiastes really difficult. Maybe you've been thinking, boy, that is depressing. Maybe you've been thinking, who does Jamie think he is to tell me that life is meaningless? Maybe these sermons haven't left you feeling depressed, but angry. Friends, it's not my intention to make you angry. But it might be that the Holy Spirit is using the word of God to convict you. God has placed eternity into your heart. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in Romans chapter 1. God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. 
being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, so that you, are without excuse. God does not leave you uninformed about who he is. The very creation cries out to you, even from within your own heart. There is a God. And there is no excuse for ignoring him. He has placed eternity in your heart. Paul goes on to say this. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. The opening chapters to Ecclesiastes are really well summed up in the opening questions of of both the Heidelberg and Westminster Catechisms. They basically say this. There is a God in heaven, and he made you. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. His plans and purposes are that you would glorify and enjoy him forever. He has shown that to you. He's shown it to you in creation. He's shown it to you in your own life. And the very idea of time during your life on earth, God is speaking to you. And he has given you this life. What a gift. God didn't just just take you straight from, from the womb into eternity. God has given you life as a gift. He's given you this life so that you will realize that you are not independent. You depend on something outside of yourself. In God, we live and move and have our being. This God is the living Lord Jesus Christ. And when we come to him in faith and repentance, there is hope and there is comfort to know that we are not dependent on ourselves. But we belong to another. We belong in body and soul, in life and in death to our faithful Saviour, Jesus Christ. Do you know that today? Have you come to admit your dependence on Jesus? Or are you still trying to live as if the world under the sun is all there is? You can bury your head in the sand. You can try to ignore this truth, but you can't run from it. And actually you can't hide from it. God has placed it in your heart. If you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've never given him your sin and received his righteousness, please, Let today be the day. Let this moment be the moment. Come to Jesus. The gospel continues to impact this passage and, and our ears today. Because next we hear about the end of time. When time shall be no more. A, a day when Christ shall return to judge the world. A day that Christians long for. But everybody else should fear greatly. Look at at verse 17 very briefly. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every purpose and for every work 
a day of justice is coming. A day when the world will be judged and the righteous will be separated from the wicked. This day is good news. The day of judgment is gospel. It means that no sin will go unpunished. Every wicked act will be called to account. Perpetrators will be called to justice. That's something we all want. Even children have a a really strong sense of justice and fairness. We know all about it in this part of the world. We want those who have done evil and wicked deeds to be called to account. And no one will escape justice forever. Because in God's time, a day of judgment is coming. A day when all will be laid bare. When people will be punished for their misdeeds. The day of judgment is the gospel. Because it is a day when everything will be brought out into the open. And God, who is judge of all the earth, will do right. This is good news. It's good news for those of us who are hidden in Christ. For those whose sins are covered. For those who have trusted in Jesus and received his righteousness alone. But for those who have not, this is a day of fear. A day of great fear. Because friends, if you know there is a God, and you do. You know it because we've heard it today. Because God has placed eternity in your heart. You are without excuse. You can't stand before God on that day and say, I never knew. Nobody told me. If you know there is a God and yet you choose to ignore him, then you may as well be spitting in his face. It is a sin that will not go unpunished. A sin which will have to endure the eternal wrath of the eternal God for all eternity. Friends, I don't want you to face that eternity. I don't want you to go through that. But God will judge the wicked. And you know full well that there is wickedness in your heart just as there is in mine. The only way that we can stand on that day is because of Jesus. Because he has already taken the eternal wrath of God for my sin. Only through trusting in Christ. Can our wickedness be forgiven? And this is where the second part of that, that great first question in the Heidelberg Catechism comes in. It says, Christ has fully paid for my sins with his precious blood. What is my only comfort in life and death? That Christ's blood has paid for my sins. The blood of Jesus has paid for the sins of his people. Are you one of his people today? God will do what is right. On the day of judgment, will you stand hidden in Christ? Or will you stand having to bear the weight of your own sinfulness? Having to face up to the full wrath of God. God will do what is right. Finally, in our passage today, we see God's view of time. For God, time is without end. God is infinite and eternal. And so 
God not only does what is right, but when we see things from his perspective, we understand that God does what is beautiful. You see, friends, we we have this really short time here on earth. But this book, Ecclesiastes, helps us to step back and see things from God's perspective. And when we do that, we notice that our lives, they're a mere speck. They're just a drop in the ocean of what God is doing in this world. I think we we could picture our lives as as a piece of a jigsaw. Think of a jigsaw puzzle. Each piece does not know what any of the other pieces in the jigsaw are up to. Maybe you know what's going on on the pieces that touch around your borders, but you can't tell anything about another piece three or four spaces away. The top right does not know what the bottom left is doing. And friends, what Ecclesiastes chapter 3 is telling us today is that it's only God who sees the whole picture. You are a dependent creature and you depend upon God. He is the one who is putting the jigsaw together. He is the one who has plans and purposes for your life. There will be times of mourning. And there will be times of dancing. But it's not your job or mine to try and figure out how they fit in the grand scheme of things. That is God's job. There's a great gospel hymn which says, His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. It's quoting from the Lord Jesus. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says that that sparrows are cheap. They're worth nothing. They are of such low value, and yet not one of them falls from the sky without the will of God. If his eye is on the sparrow, if he is maintaining his care and his control on, on those tiny and worthless birds, if he's showing care over the seemingly insignificant details of this world, How much more is he caring for you? In your times of sorrow and in your times of joy, in your times of mourning and in your times of dancing, God sees all. We don't know the end from the beginning, but God does. And he will make all things beautiful in their time. We trust him to turn all things out for good. He is the one who is constructing this beautiful jigsaw. We must trust him to put us in the right place which he has planned and prepared for us. We are dependent creatures. And we have to put on the Jesus glasses and submit to him and let God be in control of our lives, both now and forever. Let me pray for us.